All right, it's a big day, right? I mean, a big day in a number of ways. And uh, so I thought I'd bring a couple of uh, uh, footballs into the room. Um, do you notice anything different about these, these, these two? I know it's tough for some of you to see them, but you notice any differences here? Oh, that was terrible. Let's try that one more time. He told me he wanted to catch a ball earlier. There we go. Any difference in these two? One doesn't throw very well. No, that was my, that's my arm, not the, the ball. One is deflated. Exactly. Yes, there is one of these, these balls that has less air than the other one. Now, I know you kind of said that as a joke, but can you, can you really tell that one? Some of you say yes. No, you can't tell. I'm not even sure if one really is. Maybe a little bit. Um, but there's this interesting thing that happened a few years ago. And um, <laughs> deflate gate. Anybody hear of that? Like there was a, a, a football player who, who may or may not have told a ball boy to deflate a football just a little bit. Um, and then there was this whole controversy on did it really happen and did he know about it? Did the coach know about it? You know, all of that kind of conversation took place. And some of you are like, does anybody even care about whether or not a football is deflated? Well, apparently a lot of people care about it. And I hear there's going to be a congressional hearing. And that's the way they spend our, our tax dollars. It's a great idea. And just kidding. Anyway, um, what's interesting about this, and I've told some, some people this. I, I, uh, I played football in high school and college. And um, when, when the whole deflate gate came out, um, I, I kind of chuckled at it because as a high school football team, we did the same exact thing anytime it rained. We deflated footballs anytime it rained. And, and it wasn't even like a conversation, like someone saying, hey, Matt, as the quarterback, would you like the, the ball to be? No, we just did that. And for kickers, if we have any kickers in the room, like, the balls that the kickers used were always overinflated. Why? So they would travel farther. And we never wanted to get the balls mixed up, the quarterback balls and the, the, uh, the kicker footballs. And, and so, um, like, it was a common practice. And so I kind of laughed about it, and I didn't think it was that big of a deal. But some people thought it was a huge deal. Now, we're going to talk about temptation today. And um, we, we, ki- we come to this place in the prayer um, that we've been studying where... And I promise we're not going to talk about football the whole time. Some of you are like, thank goodness. Like, I'm done with football. I don't like football. Um, we come to this place in the, in the prayer where, where Jesus teaches us to pray on a daily basis, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Or, or, or some, would, some translations say the evil one. Now, I'm not making a connection between Tom Brady and the evil one. <laughs> Or anything like that. Now, there are a lot of Eagles fans in the room. I know there are a lot of Eagles fans in the room today. Um, I, I just have to be up front with you. Um, I love great offensive football. I love watching the Patriots play. Go ahead and boo. Let's get it out of the way. Boo. No, you can boo. It's okay. I love watching the Patriots play because their, their offense is just incredible. There's so much mind game to it, and I know people said there's also cheating in it, but you know what? It's just fun to watch. So I, I love all that. Um, but we, we come to this place in, in the prayer where, where, where Jesus teaches us to pray 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I think one of the challenges for us in, in life is that so often we begin to downplay temptation to the point at which we don't even think it's a, it, it's a big deal at all. Like we set it to the side and, and, and you know, will, will, anybody, will, will anybody even notice if over here in the side of my life I make some decisions that aren't out there in the public does it even matter? And we begin to downplay it to the point at which it begins to have a power over us. And I think this is one of the reasons Jesus says you should, you should pray this every day. You know, go to your Father who loves you. you know, pray for His kingdom to come, His will to be done. Trust Him to, to provide everything that you need. Receive his forgiveness and, and reflect that forgiveness to others. And then the reality of life is everyone faces temptation. And so ask God to give you the strength to endure, to overcome whatever that temptation is in your life. Is it okay if we talk a little bit about temptation today? Are you with me? Yes? Okay. Um, I'm going to up front, I'm going to give you the big deal, the, kind of the big idea. If you miss everything else, if you kind of wander off and in your mind you're mad at me because I like watching the Patriots play or you, you're thinking about other things, um, don't miss this. So everybody, you with me just for a minute? Everybody? Okay, here we go. The two big things that, that I would love for us to walk out of the room with is this. Number one, our actions matter more than we will ever know. Our actions the decisions we make matter so much more than we ever know. There are ripples to the things we choose, even the things we choose in private. There, there, are, there are ripples that move beyond us into our families, into our businesses, into our neighborhoods, and into the world at large. And, and the things that we choose, the actions of our lives, matter so much more than we ever know. Now, I realize that there is this, this thought at times. Again, we, we kind of downplay it. Like, does it really matter? Like, like, really, will anybody ever know that I've deflated a football just a little bit? Does it even matter? Well, if, if your decisions begin to ripple into the lives of other people, then absolutely it matters. Every decision you make matters because it has effects on the people closest to you and, and even larger than that, the world in which we live. Second thing I'd love for, for us to walk out of the room with today is this, that we can trust God more than we can trust ourselves, that you can trust God more than you can trust y y yourself and the ways that you make decisions. You, you can trust the God who loves you more than you will ever realize. And um, you, you may look at these two things and, and say, these have nothing to do with temptation. I believe they are at the core of how we respond to temptation. Understanding that my decisions in this moment matter more than I know. And number two, I can trust God more than I trust myself. So, here, here's, the, here's the part of the prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I've, I've kind of said this every week, uh, and I, wanna, I just want to, we're ending today, so I want to say it one more time. 
this prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray is not a passive prayer. You're getting tired of me saying that, aren't you? It's, it's an active prayer. It's a, it's a prayer of commitment, and it's a prayer asking God to transform us to become different kinds of people in the world in which we live. And it, 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 it involves us. So in other words, what I mean by that is, um, uh, let me kind of give you an example from, from like marriage. Uh, oftentimes in marriage, uh, we think the issue is not us, but them, right? And so there are times we think our marriage will be fixed if they can get fixed, right? Um, I've been married for a while, so I've realized that's a bad idea. Like, that, like when, when, when we're involved in a relationship, it always takes how many people? Two, to move to a healthy place. And the same is true with our relationship with God and becoming the kind of people He wants us to be. Like, we, we don't sit back and say, God, w- would you, you know, do something miraculous and I'm hands off the wheel and I'm just going to sit and watch. No, no, this prayer is about us actively being involved in our lives in a way that God transforms us to become different kinds of people. It's not a passive prayer in, in any way. Now, um, something that this prayer also reminds us is, is about evil. Like evil, just to make sure we're all on the same page, is real. Did you know that? Like evil is real. And the Bible refers to it in a number of different ways. Um, evil, the evil one, thief, enemy. And it's very clear that the thief, the enemy, evil, evil one, however you want to refer to it, is out to destroy our lives. You sit on a throne of lies. I don't know why I just thought of that, but father of lies, that's why. Um, like, the evil one, evil, wants to destroy us. And did you know, uh, God is for us. Like, he wants what's best for you, and he wants what's best for me. And there is a, another force that is active in the world, and it's real, which is important for us to remember. Now, um, a lot of times when I'm, when I'm preparing for a, a series of messages, I just start writing. Um, I don't know why, it just helps me to process. And I wrote something in the last couple weeks that I keep coming back to. What if, this is just kind of a what if question, um, what if our authentic self, like who you really are, who I really am, what if it's most revealed when no one else is watching? What would that say about us? And when it comes to temptation, how would it change the way that we make decisions in that moment? What if our most authentic self is revealed when no one else is around or no one else is looking? How would that change our decision-making processes? Um, in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul is writing to a church, a group of believers, much like us, and I think this is very applicable to us. And um, He's, he's giving them ideas, ways to, to live in a world where temptation is very present. The evil one is, is, is trying to destroy us and, and our lives and wants to lead us down a, a path that is, is not healthy. And so um, Paul is writing and he says this, if you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. Like in those moments where, where, where you feel like life is good and, and I've got it all together, he says, be careful not to fall. And then he makes this very clear statement that the temptations in your life are no different than the temptations that we all face. Now, isn't that a good reminder that we're not alone? 
And whatever you're facing, the challenges you're facing, a lot, of, a lot of times we feel like we're completely alone, don't we? Like nobody else is struggling with this. And the, 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 honest, the, the, the honest truth is that we face nothing that is, that is not common among humanity. Like all of us, we're, we're in this together and we are not, we're not alone. Temptation, the temptation that you face, the temptation I face, is common in humanity's uh, history and, and present in today's world. And then he goes on. God is faithful. And if you're one of those who highlights and underlines and circles in your Bible, which is okay, you can write in your Bible, this would be a good thing to underline, circle, highlight, write it down, remind yourself, God is faithful. Isn't that encouraging? To know that wherever you face temptation, which is common, that God is faithful in that moment? Wouldn't that be a good thing to remind yourself of when you're in that moment of decision and you're like, should I do this or should I do that? And we'll get a little bit more specific here in the middle. But isn't it good to remember that God is faithful? Like God is there with you? He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Oh, that's some good truth. Like God will not allow you to go through any temptation that, can, that will overcome you if you make the decision that he's going he's gonna to talk about here in a minute. God is faithful. He, he's not going to allow temptation to be more than you can stand. And then he kind of wraps this section up um, by telling followers of Jesus, when you are tempted, now listen to this. I mean, this is, this is good stuff. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure whatever temptation you're facing. Now, there should be an amen or like, thank you, God, or that's awesome, like that he will always give us a way out. Like God is faithful and he'll always give us a way out when we're being tempted. Now, temptation looks different for all of us. Now, temptation is common, like we're not going to be tempted in a way that no one else has been tempted, but it looks very different in the course of our lives. The temptation that you're going to face um, kind of comes up in very different ways than the temptation I'm going to face. It may be the same like base temptation, but, but it's, going to, it's going to reveal itself in different ways. And we have to begin to ask the question, how does God give us a way out in the moments that we're being tempted? How does that temptation begin to lose its power when I'm face-to-face with temptation? And I want to give just a couple of ideas, some thoughts, um, and I think these are, these are biblical, um, of how temptation loses its power. Number one, I think we have to name the destructive habit, action, temptation, sin in your life. Like, I think we have to name it and be very specific about it. Like, we have to come to the place where we say, this is what I struggle with on a common, everyday basis. This is what is common to me. Have you ever done that? Like, you don't have to answer out loud. Have you ever named the temptation that, that comes to you again and again and again. Have you ever just named it and said, this is what I, what I struggle with? I, I think that's the first step in temptation losing its power is like being honest about it. This is what I struggle with. Um, for so many, um, for, for so many of us, the, the temptations that we face, we've learned to manage them in a way that we put them into to, to darkness 
so that no one ever knows the things that we're struggling with. And we actually think, like I said earlier, that, that the choices that we make here in the darkness, that they don't affect other people. But the truth is they always come back. They always are reflected in others because they change us. They change who we are at the core. Um, so name it. And, and I would challenge you to, to even this morning, like you may disengage here for a few minutes, um, to, to write it down, to, to literally write it down. And if you don't want anyone else to see it, you can scratch through it, but write it down, name it. What is the temptation that has power over you, that seems to have power or control over you? Um, second thing, be honest with God, be honest with yourself, and be honest with uh, a trusted friend, person, or group. Um, I, I know I talk a lot about AA. Uh, I, I just think AA has a great model for this kind of thing. And I think the church at large, I'm not talking specifically McDowell, I think the church at large has done a terrible job of being honest with the things that we struggle. So often the church is the place that we wear our masks to make everyone else think that we have it all together. Let me say that again. So often the church has become the place that we wear our masks to make everyone else think that we have it all together. And the church should be the safest place in the world to reveal the truth about the things that we struggle with. The church, like this community, should be the safest place in the world any of us could come and say, this is what I'm struggling with. Now, I'm not saying that we wear it as a badge. Like, this, this is my temptation. No, like, but, but, but that we come humbly to the church, the community of believers, and we can honestly say, hey, this is one of the, the temptations, and it seems to have gotten its roots into me in a way that I cannot escape it. And like I said, AA has, has done that with, with addiction, specifically uh, alcohol, in such a powerful way to create a safe environment, a supportive and accountable environment to be honest with the realities that we all face, every single one of us, if I asked you, how many of you are tempted in one way or another? Every person in this room would raise your hand and say, yes, I'm tempted. None of us is exempt from that. And yes, I fail. Yes, I choose the wrong path. Yes, I am a, I know sometimes we don't like saying this, I'm a sinner, which means I miss the mark of what God has, has for me. I miss the mark. The church should not be the place we act like we have it all together, but rather the church should be the place that we are the most honest about the greatest struggles of our lives. So how does temptation lose its power? Well, we've got to name it, and we've got to get honest with, with God, but also with, with, with some people that we trust. And my prayer, and I think the, the prayer of the staff and leadership of this church, is that our groups would be one of those places where we can be the most honest and authentic about what, the, what we're struggling with. And they would be places of accountability and support and encouragement for those things. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Okay, third thing. Um, recognize the difference between the root and the fruit. And um, I, I, sometimes I like to rhyme so we remember things. Um, here's what I mean by that. Um, we have to recognize the difference between the outward actions of our lives and the inward desires that are driving those actions out here. Does that, does that make sense? Um, I, I have a friend uh, who is struggling uh, with, with alcohol 
uh, in his life right now. And um, the alcohol and the drinking of the alcohol is, is the fruit. It's, it's the outward expression. But there is something deep within him right now. Um, and, and, and what he desires deep within him is relief from the stress and chaos of the world around him. Like, like he's, he's trying to escape some things going on out here. And so the alcohol is, is not the main problem. It's a problem. So I'm not saying alcohol, when it, when it has its grip on you, isn't a problem. But, but I'm saying his bigger issue is why the alcohol? Because it's, it's, it's tending to, to, to be something much deeper. There's a, there's a root there. Let me give you another example. I've had friends um, through my journey, an accountability friend uh, specifically that I can think of right now who struggled with pornography and sexual addiction. And um, it was in his life kind of the outward expression of something deep within him. And sometimes uh, what, what, what happens out here, the fruit, is actually trying to meet a God-given need or desire that's within us. We just do it in unhealthy ways. Uh, God gives us, uh, we've been wired as humans with, with, with sexual desires, but sometimes we just pervert those and we, we kind of run in other directions to try to meet those needs. Does that make, make, make sense? There's a difference between the fruit that temptation yields and the root of why temptation grabs us the way that it does. And I think recognizing the difference of those two things is vitally important for us. There are times we have to focus on the fruit. Uh, if if you're, if you're an alcoholic, if you struggle with that, I think you've got to focus and, and deal with that issue in your life. But I also think you have to dig down deep and figure out what it is that's driving that, because sometimes you can just cover it up in other ways. Does that make sense? Okay, probably enough. Fourth, um, how temptation loses its power. When, when God gives us the out, we have to resist, or we have to flee the temptation that is there. Like, like when we realize that God is faithful and that in everything that we face that there is an out, we, we, we actually have something we must do. This is why the prayer is not passive. We actually have to take the out. And sometimes that's challenging, extremely challenging, especially when no one else is around. Um, someone uh, said this years ago, uh, the times that we're tempted the most uh, like can be represented by the acronym HALT. When we're hungry, when we're angry, when we're lonely and when we're tired and worn out. Like those are the moments when temptation most gets into us or it, most ha it has the most power over us. Um, so when we have those moments, we've got to resist and we've got to flee. And, 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 and we've got to remind ourselves that my family, my future, my legacy, my faith, all of that depends on the decision that I make in this moment. All of it depends on, on the decisions that we're making in this moment. We've got to flee. Um, quick story. Erwin uh, McManus is a pastor in L.A., and uh, he told this story years ago about his son, and it, it's like the most powerful picture of, of this principle that I wish I had something like this in my own life. I just don't right now, so I'm going to tell you someone else's story. Is that okay? Okay, so Erwin McManus, pastor, he has a son. He sends his son to summer camp. His son goes to summer camp, and he's being picked on. He's got some kids at summer camp that are doing some things that he just, just make him mad, and so... His son is not normally like this, but eventually he just punches the kid that keeps bothering him in the face. And so Erwin gets a phone call uh, from the camp, you know, and he's 
a pastor, and so pastors often get these phone calls about our kids. And um, uh, <laughs> hey, Erwin, uh, your son, uh, you need to come get him. We have to send him home. He's punched someone, and and he won't apologize. And so Erwin is is you know, surprised by what has happened, like we all are as parents, like our kids would never do that, and gets in the car, drives to the camp to pick his son up. And um, so, he, you know, he gets there with his son. He's like, what happened? And he said, he just wouldn't stop. And, you know, I just, I just had had it. And so I punched him. And I'm not going to apologize. And Erwin said, okay, that's your choice. You know, you get to decide and there's, there's consequences to that. And he said, how about we just go on a walk and talk? And he's like, fine, but I'm not going to apologize. Like he knows his dad's tricks, right, the psychology behind it. So they're going on a walk, and um, and, um, and he's, he's talking to his son about what has happened, and he said, son, do you, do you sense anything deep within you about what you should do right now? And he said his son, like, quickly responded with, yeah, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Which is like us, right? I mean, we get it. Yeah, but I'm not going to do it. And he's like, that's fine. That's, that's, that's completely your decision. And then Erwin said something to his son that I find to be one of the most profound things I have ever heard when it comes to God's voice in our life. He said to his son, you have a decision on how you want to walk out your life here. But I want you to recognize, like deep within you, you actually hear the voice of God giving you direction in life. Did you realize that? The God of the universe is speaking to you and you hear it. Like that is amazing. And his son said, yeah, but I'm not going to do it. And Erwin said, that's okay. That's your decision. And then he said, but I want you to understand that the more you respond to God's voice and obey, the more that voice becomes clear and loud in your life. And in the moments of your greatest temptations, that voice will be there to help you. But the more you ignore and push aside the voice of God. It's not that the voice goes away, but the less you will recognize it and the less that you will be aware that in moments of temptation, God is with you. You can decide what you want to do with that. And I thought, that's one of the most profound things, and it's true, isn't, is it not? That the more we respond in obedience to God's voice, the, the more we flee or resist in moments of temptation, the louder that voice becomes in our minds and the more aware we become of God's presence in the moments we most need him. But the more we, we kind of set it aside, that voice becomes quieter and quieter and quieter. And it's not that God leaves. It's not that God quits talking to us. It's just that we don't recognize it any longer as his voice and presence in our lives. And when it comes to temptation, I'm telling, I'm telling you and I'm telling myself and I'm reminding myself, Matt, in moments of temptation, pause, take a break, step back and think. 
think about what's going on. Like your decision, my decision in this moment is going to have greater consequences than I ever realize. And I can trust God more than I can trust myself in this moment because he, he knows and he wants what's best for me in this moment. Um, with all the golf stuff going on, somebody reminded me of this, this, this Tiger Woods quote, um, and I thought this was, was appropriate on a, on a day like today. Tiger uh, was kind of responding to all that had happened in his life a few years ago, and uh, he wrote uh, or, or said this in, a, in, a, um, in an interview, I am the only person to blame for what has happened in my life. I stopped living by the core values that I was taught to believe in. I knew my actions were wrong, but I convinced myself that normal rules don't apply to me. Isn't that interesting? And I think we all do this. Now, it's easy to point our finger at someone and say they have big things going on, but the truth is we've, we, we convince ourselves of the same exact thing all the time, that that doesn't apply to me. He goes on, I never thought about who I was hurting, and we don't either. We think it's just us. This is just my decision. It's just me over here. Instead, I thought only about myself. I ran straight through the boundaries that a married couple should live by. I thought I could get away with whatever I wanted in the darkness over here where no one else is looking. And then he kind of wraps this up by saying, I felt that I'd worked hard my entire life and deserved to enjoy all the temptations around me. I felt I was entitled. And listen, when we're honest, we get there too. We get there too. I have a desire deep within me. No longer is it a desire. Like I deserve it. I deserve that. And eventually, not, not only do I deserve it, I demand it. I'm going to get that however I can get it. And we lose sight of all the things that are going on around us. So two things, the two big truths. And I, I mentioned these at the beginning. I want to mention them one more time just so we don't forget them. Your actions, my actions, they matter so much more than you'll ever know that they are reflected in others so much more than, than you'll ever know. And if in moments of temptation you can remind yourself of that, if I can remind myself of that, it is so helpful in overcoming the temptation that we all face. It's common to all of us. Number two, in those moments of temptation, you can trust God more than you can trust your own perspective. You can trust his perspective more than you can trust your own. And, and it's, a tr it's a trust thing when it comes down to temptation. It's a trust thing. That I'm, I trust that God's going to provide what I need. I trust that he has something better for me. Even though this might feel really good in the moment, even though I might save a little bit of money right here, I mean, whatever it is for you, whatever that temptation is for you, can you trust that God has a better perspective than you do in that moment of temptation? So Jesus says... Uh, to pray. And when we pray daily, to pray that God would not lead you into temptation. And one of the other ways to think about that, um, sometimes our translations, they, they, look, uh, they look different in different uh, versions of the Bible. One of the ways to think about that is, is uh, Father, do not let me yield to temptation. Do not let me yield to temptation, but rather deliver me from the evil that is all around me. Uh, we're going to sing uh, just one or two more songs, and as we do, we have these spaces around the room so you can respond. Uh, we have this cross right here, and today 
um, might be the perfect day as a response for you to come and simply write out, like, what is the temptation for you that, 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 that tends to, to come after you again and again and again? Maybe, maybe you just want to write that down and put it on the cross and ask God to, to deliver you from that evil, whatever that temptation is. So maybe you want to come write it down, put it up on the cross. There are candles in the back of the room and light always represents in the Bible God's presence. And so maybe you feel as though you are walking through life completely alone and you need to know today, you need to be reminded that God is with you. You're not alone. He is faithful. And so maybe you want to light a candle and just say, God, I, I feel like in moments of temptation, it's just me against this power that I can't seem to overcome. And so maybe you want to light a candle and just say, God, I need your presence. Like I, maybe I've ignored your voice for a long time, but I want to hear it again. So light a candle and ask God's presence to be with you. Um, we'll have some prayer partners in the back of the room, my left, your right. Um, and, and maybe you just want someone to pray over you and you don't need to give a, a bunch of details. You can just say, hey, my name is Matt and I just need you to pray for me today. And they'll do that. They'll, they'll just pray over you. Uh, and then around the room scattered is, is communion. Uh, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you, you know that communion is just a, a symbol of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, which is a display of how much God loves you. And maybe you just need to be reminded of that today. The love of God, which is made known, this, this reckless love of God that is made known through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So maybe you want to take that bread representing the, the body of Jesus and the, the cup representing the blood of Jesus. And you just want to remind yourself and remember you are loved dearly by God who sent Christ for you. So we want to give you some space to respond. Um, would, you, would you stand with me? And I'm going to say a prayer and then just feel freedom to, to move around the room and respond um, or stand and just sing with us the, the truth of God's reckless love. God, you, you never leave us alone. And you, you want to... Um, you want to break down the lies uh, that the, the thief, the, the evil one, the, the evil that's a, a part of our, our world, you, you want to break down those lies because you want to get to our heart. That's how much you love us. And, and you're pursuing us today. You're pursuing us in every moment. We're never alone. So God, thank you for that. In these moments as we respond to you, um, I pray that your spirit would move in our, in our hearts and our minds, would surround us. And I pray that all that we do, all that we sing in these moments would be pleasing in your sight. And we pray this in the name of Jesus.